Welcome to Open Plaza, created by the Hispanic Theological Initiative. In this episode, Vincent Lloyd talks to Matt Vega about racial capitalism. For more information about today's episode, visit htiopenplaza.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the HTI Open Plaza podcast. My name is Vincent Lloyd. I teach in the Theology and Religious Studies and Global Interdisciplinary Studies departments at Villanova University, where I direct the Center for Political Theology. Uh, and I'm here today with Matt Vega, who's a PhD candidate in theology at the University of Chicago Divinity School. Matt is the author of a recent essay on racial capitalism, published for the Political Theology Network's Critical Theory for Political Theology uh, Keywords series. Uh, and today we're going to discuss his essay in the meaning of racial uh, capitalism. Matt, thanks for being here with us. Vincent, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Well, let's jump right in. Uh, racial okay. capitalism is a phrase that we hear uh, often in activist spaces, in okay. scholarly spaces, and even in mainstream media spaces these days. Uh, how do you think about that term? What does it mean for you? That's a that's a really good question. We're getting right at it. Um, yeah, racial capitalism is uh, just a, a term that's that's meant to gesture towards some kind of relationship between race or racial subordination and capitalism or capitalist exploitation. Um, and so in my essay, I highlight uh, three traditions. Um, the the Marxist uh, tradition, um, the Robinsonian tradition and the regimes of articulation uh, tradition. Um, and these are, these are theories of racial capitalism that have been uh, theorized explicitly. But you know, when, when people use this term, they're not usually conscious of like what tradition they're, they're, uh, they're situating themselves in. Um, but I, I think what the term itself means, uh, I think there's generally an intuitive sense that there is some sort of connection between racial subordination, racism, uh, or categories of difference, race, etc. Um, and you know, processes of, of capitalism. So it can be uh, labor production. Um, it could be, uh, you know, uh, distribution of wealth, uh, accumulation, et cetera. Um, but yeah, the, the term racial capitalism was first used by a, a group of South African Marxists in a 1976 anti-apartheid pamphlet entitled Foreign Investment and the reproduction of racial capitalism in South Africa. Um, but I think most people know of the term racial capitalism from, uh, from Cedric Robinson and his really important, you know, thick uh, book, uh, Black Marxism. Um, and, and there Robinson defines racial capitalism as a, a sort of a mode of production that inherited the, the racial, what he used like racialism, and nationalist characteristics of, of feudal Europe. Um, and so for Robinson, capitalism retained the need for categories of difference and processes of racialization that were operative in feudal Europe. But, but the term itself, as you can see from the essay, is, is really just a way to gesture 
at some kind of relationship that seems to exist be between race and capitalism. So, yeah. Great, yeah. So uh, unpacking uh, and exploring that relationship between the, the racial and the economic uh, sort of mm -hmm. with a starting point that there is a relationship there and it's it's a really essential one to, uh, to figure out or to work through. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if you could mm -hmm. share with us a bit about what drew you to the topic? Why is it that, that you uh, are interested in this, uh, this keyword in particular, racial capitalism? Yeah, um, so I think I was, I was probably drawn to it for, to this particular topic, racial capitalism, for a, a lot of reasons, um, personal reasons, some theological reasons, um, and some academic reasons. Uh, so just on a personal level, you know, class and race defined so much of my existence because it dictated my social status, right? Which made me vulnerable to all sorts of, of, of violence, right? So to provide, you know, one very small example, you know, I was arrested for the first time at 15 years old. Um, I'd, I'd stolen a, a pair of magnetic study rings from Claire's uh, to, to, to try to emulate the, I don't know if you know the Tupac nose ring look. Um, and so this, you know, the store clerk saw me and, you know, I was, I was walking out and they had already gotten a hold of the police. They met me when I walked out, you know, I was brought to the back room and, you know, uh, you know, I was brought down to the, to the police station where I was fingerprinted, photographed and, you know, kept in a holding cell until my mom picked me up. Um, and so, you know, after, after my first brush with police, you know, I was arrested two more times, um, for, and another one for, was for stealing again. And third time was for, for a, a fist fight. Um, so my brushes with police for stealing, because I didn't have money, you know, forced me to think about, you know, the, the question of money. Um, and it forced me to think about, you know, relationships between the state, uh, race and, and class. You know, I grew up poor. Um, and, you know, racial justice has kind of always been uh, part of what has affected me, right? So I've written a lot about, you know, race, racial justice stuff since I was an undergrad. And so it kind of became necessary eventually to talk about, to talk about class, you know, as well. Um, and, you know, so on the, the theology piece, you know, my undergraduate degree, I was, I was a theology undergraduate major and I, like my main, um, I had an affinity for liberation theology specifically. So, and I, I noticed, you know, how, you know, for Latin American liberation theologians, Marx and Marxism or Marxist analysis was, you know, a really useful source for, for theological method um, and how important, you know, analysis of, of capitalism was for specifically um, theologians from Latin America, you know, for myself having uh, a Mexican father and a, a black mother I was drawn to sort of both black black theologies of liberation and Latin American theologies of liberation, and the black theologies of liberation they they tended to focus more on race. And so you know I'd have my own I'd also vacillate you know about the relative significance of of each one you know and I have you know loud yelling match screaming matches with friends about which one mattered more um, you know no it was like, no it was race and, and then at other times I'd be like no it's class. Um, you know, and, and, and there are good reasons for, for why I kind of, you know, like I went to Wheaton College for my undergraduate degree. When I was there, 
I didn't, I didn't feel like there was a strong, the kind of racial solidarity that I had anticipated, right? Because so much of my, my upbringing was around poor black and brown and brown people. And so I felt like that's where we're sort of where where race and class really just kind of like came to the fore. Was it is it, is it race? Is it um and so you know and then and then you know if I wanted to make it emphasize the sort of class or the sort of the race aspect, you know, I'd say like you know if someone or if someone wanted to to you know emphasize how much more salient race was, you know, they could say that that wealth never really protected uh, or protects black people from racial violence. And then, you know, then I tell myself, well, no, what kind of violence? Like, you know, quotidian violence, they are protected from that. So, so there's always this like conversation in my head, right? Um, and so that I think like just naturally I started reading more texts um, on this. And I, I'm pretty sure like one of the first books I read on this was, uh, um, or at least one of the first explicit theorizations of racial capitalism that I read, where I think I first encountered that term, was, um, or someone theorizing this relationship was Kiangi Amata Taylor's book uh, from Black Lives Matter, Black Liberation, and, you know, the final chapter of her book, where she really takes up a kind of sympathetic reading of Marx, but, you know, and, and really wants to sort of think about Marx in relationship to, like, uh, to, to, to forms of race and racism in, in the United States. So that was kind of like the, you know, the personal side and then the kind of more theology side that, you know, the, the liberation theology. And, um, and the, I would say on the, on the academic side, no one uh, has influenced my thinking on the relationship between racial subordination and, and, and capitalism more than uh, the political theorist, Michael Dawson. Um, for those of you who don't know, he is, arguably the world's most important uh, political theorist in black politics. Um, and so I had a chance to take a course with him on, on race and capitalism, uh, you know, uh, during my master's degree at Chicago. And the first time I, I had planned on enrolling in the course, I looked at the syllabus and was like, I am not taking this course. This looks way too hard. I think he assigned like uh, Black Reconstruction in America for like, for like a week, like a week's reading. And I was like, what? Uh, you know, it's like 700 pages. And uh, when I ended up taking the course, he definitely like just assigned specific like chapters. But that was like one of the reasons I was like, there's no way like, you know. And, um, and so I ended up eventually, when I mustered up the courage, I took a course with him on race and capitalism while I was at UChicago. Uh, and I loved it, you know, so much. I asked him if he'd be willing to administer one of my qualifying exams uh, on, on histories and theories of, of, of race and capitalism. Uh, you know, so in, in preparation, you know, I was able to do an independent study with him and, and uh, read some, some of his own work and ask him questions, clarifying questions about his own thoughts and theories. Um, and then, you know, as you know, we, we started a, a reading group. Uh, it's, it first started off as the, as the uh, abolition reading group, but eventually that, that became, um, that became uh, 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 a reading group on, on racial capitalism. And that was my way really of preparing for, for exams, uh, but, but others, but, but also in, uh, in, including others as well. Um, and so those are really kind of like the, the really the, the, the sort of things that kind of all came together, you know, like uh, how I grew up really just, it just never left. I couldn't get away from asking those questions about 
about race, you know, as as the son of of a Mexican father and a, and a black mother, um, and 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 class, just kind of you know growing up working class. So yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Thanks for thanks for sharing, and it's it's always. Uh... Uh, interesting and, and inspiring to hear how uh, people's uh, 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 how scholars have reflected on their own uh, formation uh, in not only intellectual ways but also uh, uh, personal and spiritual ways and, and reflected on the ways that those uh, intermingle. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, intellectually the historian mm -hmm. Taylor and the political scientist uh, Dawson, both yeah. uh, very secular uh, figures. Uh, and uh, traditions of liberation theology, which are, are sometimes criticized for being uh, taking a sort of secular theory and uh, applying it to religious okay. matters. So mm -hmm. I wonder um, how you would think about the potential for uh, those who are in a theological space mm -hmm. um, to engage with uh, uh, theories that are coming from uh, secular uh, corners of the academy or are deeply indebted to those sorts of uh, secular outlooks is, uh, are those resources to be drawn on or are they, uh, are there ways to understand those secular theories as not as secular as they seem, but, uh, you know, better understood in theological terms or, you know, how do you think about those, those sorts of mixings? Oh yeah. I, I mean, that was, that, that was constantly, that's a really good question because that was constantly in the back of my mind. And, um, in, in courses that I took at UChicago and just reading, you know, uh, uh, theologies of liberation that rely so heavily on Marx, you know, it, are there, are there, I was asking that, you know, that kind of question, you know, are there sort resources that, that, that theologians have within their own traditions to be thinking about this? And, you know, why does an approach, why do so many theories of racial capitalism just deal with the relationship between race and capitalism and, and not, you know, things like, like race, religion, and capitalism, right? Um, and so I, I think that the relationship between race and capitalism is really important for theologians to think through for, you know, at least three reasons, right? So, so first there's, there's the origin reason. Um, you know, modern conceptions of race and the origins of capitalism emerge within the context of, of, of mission. Um, you know, so this is like one of the important takeaways that I had from reading um, Willie Jennings book, The Christian Imagination, you know, and um, from a non-theological perspective, you know, uh, from, from a kind of more political social theorist perspectives, more secular perspective, um, you know, Anna Moore's essay on, on, on necropolitics also explores that, that relationship. She's looking at, you know, the sale of the, I think it's like 235 Africans on the, on the port of Lagos um, as a kind of exception. She refers to it as an exception to natural law um, for the sake of profit. And then, and, you know, you kind of begin to see ca categories of race. So, so, so for me, I was just always like, you know, this is, this is really important for, for theologians to be thinking about because I remember I had a conversation with with Willie about about this this sort of thing, and he this is his so this is his phrase, and it's always stuck with me. Where he said something like, um, "You know, race has a Christian architecture to it, and Christianity has a racial architecture to it." Right? And I just thought that was a really good way of of thinking about it, um, and it really speaks to the kind of you know the kind of um, 
the the entanglements, I guess, of of of, of race uh, theology, um, and you know, so yeah, you know, and I, I worked at Wheaton College during the Larisha Hawkins um, fiasco um, when you know she was she was dismissed from her job um, under um, theological pretexts. Um, and, you know, if you follow that uh, scenario closely, you know, you remember, maybe I just remember because I was there and, you know, there's sort of everyone had their own take on what this was really about, right? So, you know, you have people saying this is, this is about the neoliberalization of the college and how easily workers are, uh, you know, are, are kind of, um, uh, even professors with tenure uh, could be dismissed if they if they threaten uh, you know a, the donor base, and then you have people who are like, no, this is actually like about theology, and then you have people who say, no, this is about race, um, and so you know then you know this is about sexism, um, and so so the origin question I think uh, is a way for theologians to pay attention to what you know to what kinds of non-Christian interests are, could be at the bottom of our theological work. Um, Thanks, yeah, that's really illuminating and, and a great example. Uh, you offered us a, a really uh, helpful uh, phrase uh, or aphorism that uh, race is a, a Christian architecture and Christianity as a racial archi architecture. Uh, would you say the same is true for capitalism, that capitalism has a Christian architecture and uh, Christianity has a capitalist architecture? Yeah, so, I'm still trying to figure that one out because uh, there are scholars who, who certainly uh, think so, um, uh, or at least at least that there's a, or maybe maybe not maybe not necessarily a, a, a necessarily architecture, but a kind of, um, you know, uh, I, I guess I have um, I have a the, the emergence of modern capitalism, you know, being uh, sort of uh, going hand in hand with Christian practices. I'm thinking of, of Weber uh, here, but um, but I, yeah, the, the architecture piece is really interesting, I, and that's something I, I want to keep thinking about. Um, but I think I think uh, I I think that that's something that I would love to see scholars take up and, and sort of ask themselves that. I, I want to so I also want to remain agnostic on, on this is the, the the Dawsonian aspect of me, right? The kind of thinking about what is the necessary kinds of connections between you know, is race, I mentioned this in the, in the essay, you know, is, is race necessarily connected to capitalism or is, and is it necessarily connected to, to Christianity, theology, religion? These are the kinds of questions that I'm thinking. Um, but, but yeah, these, these are, so I'm, I'm inclined to say it does, but, but I also want to remain somewhat agnostic uh, to that. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think uh, you had mentioned, um, you had, you talked about, you know, how framing it so much is like sort of framing kind of a secular idiom, um, you know. And and, and I, I do think I remember I wrote um, in one of the one of the uh, essays, the first essays on Sidney Robinson. I was like really, um, and I think it's chapter seven is like really tiny chapter of Black Marxism where he's talking about the the Black radical tradition, and um, and. I've always been thinking about what what Cedric Robinson offered in that small chapter, which is that there has always existed a radical a radical tradition outside of outside of Europe, right? 
and that um, Africans were relying on their own traditions uh, in in um, in the colonies, as it were, or, or on the on the ships uh, when they were resisting. Um, and so, for me, I've always thought, you know, are there are there other sources within other traditions uh, to think or respond to racial capitalism? Um, and so you'll you'll notice in, in, in each of the each of the essays that uh, I'm sorry in each of the the traditions that I outline in the essay that you know each of them have a set of terms to think through the dynamics of uh, of race and capitalism right so so Marxists will discuss alienation expropriation exploitation and um, and uh, Robinsonians will talk will use the term racial capitalism and black radical tradition. And Dawsonians will, will talk about regimes of articulation and the kind of and links between them, but not, nece not necessary links. And I think theologians have um, come with it also a different set of assumptions, terms, and concepts that are the maybe theological in nature. Um, so you know, when thinking about racial capitalism, they might talk about it in the language of idolatry or mammon. Um, or when they're thinking about new, new possibilities for the world, they might think about that in, in eschatological terms, or they might talk about categories like grace, redemption. Um, and so theologians, I think, also have their own, their own grammar and, and concepts as well for thinking about it. Um, and so I, I, I think it's, it's important for us to lean into those grammars because I think that they speak to us as particular audiences um, and analyze dynamics in ways that perhaps secular frameworks miss. Great, thanks. Um, you mentioned that uh, you'd been uh, sitting with works of uh, liberation theology, Latin American liberation theology, uh, and uh, hoping uh, that there could be more, uh, but uh, um, with that hope fueled by the juxtaposition of the Latin American liber liberation theology and the black, black theology. I wonder if you could maybe return to that that thought uh, in light of the racial capitalism discussion that we've been having. Wh what would Latin American liberation theology look like? How would it look different uh, if it incorporated the insights of racial capitalism? Yeah. Um, so, in I, I, I want to say it was in the nineteen in the nineteen seventies or eighties. There was. Um, there was a, uh, it's, it's documented in uh, Dwight Hopkins book, Introducing Black Theology of Liberation. It's a little green book. And he, he talks about a, a kind of um, a, a conference that took place here in, uh, in the United States where theologians from the United States invited uh, Latin American theologians. Um, and, um, and, and to talk about liberation theology and, and, um, and, and black liberation theologians felt slighted for not having been invited. They, they came and there was like a debate about the relative significance between race uh, or, or class. Um, and so I, I think I just wanna think about like what would, what would be, what would, um, I think that there are possibilities for thinking about uh, for both Latin American liberation theologians and uh, uh, Black liberation theologians to think about um, to think about the possibility of these two things not being mutually exclusive. Um, 
So, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't want to come down hard on a, on, on what that relationship might look like, right? Because part of what the essay is, is attempting to do is to say that there are many ways uh, to think about their relationship. Um, but I do think that there's some relationship that exists. Um, and so I, I don't want to come down hard as saying, you know, that, uh, you know, Latin American liberation theologians need to understand that race is determinative or something like that. But because as we all know that, you know, Latin America is, uh, uh, you know, I want to say 125 different countries. Or, um, it could be, it might be, it might be more, or it might be less, but, but many, but at least, right, like three major sort of European languages, thousands of dialects, um, and race is obviously significant, but I'm thinking more specifically as it relates to a kind of USA Black liberation theologian and a, uh, and a Latin American liberation theologian, that conversations about the ways that race looks differently, the way that uh, uh, capitalism or neoliberalism looks differently um, in, in places like Mexico or, um, or Chile, you know, et cetera. So part of what I'm thinking about is what, what, what could a conversation look like um, where um, theories of racial capitalism, whatever that term might mean, um, could be a kind of more um, integral source for theological reflection. Yeah, I really like the way you're putting that, where uh, racial capitalism, rather than providing a set of answers, is uh, prompting a set of questions, right? It's sort of uh, disrupting yeah. the discourse by uh, forcing it to, to ask questions that it hadn't been asking uh, before, and so grow sort of organically, but prompted by that uh, that sort of prod of uh, the, the uh, questions that, that are spurred by uh, racial capitalism. Uh, thinking now uh, about uh, the sort of role of racial capitalism within uh, Black studies discourses, it seems like one of the really exciting things that's happened in the last 10-ish years is that uh, Black studies went from being a kind of import space to an export space instead of importing theories from other corners of the academy, Black studies mm -hmm. started uh, exporting uh, theories and uh, ways of seeing and ways of uh, approaching research, uh, exporting those to, to other corners of the academy, uh, to the literature world, to the anthropology world, to, uh, in some cases, uh, and slowly, the theology and religious studies uh, world. Uh, and it, it strikes me that those, that export uh, comes in uh, three buckets. One is the racial capitalism uh, bucket that we've been talking about. Mm. Uh, another is the anti-Blackness bucket, uh, sometimes uh, connected with Afro-pessimism, but more expansive than that. And a third is a Black feminism bucket. Right? Mm. Uh, e each of those three have been sort of developed within Black studies spaces, broadly understood, and then moved uh, or exported. Um, uh, you know, other, other parts of the academy have been learning from sitting with Black studies scholars and, and learning those um, those theoretical discourses. So I guess I, I'm curious how you see racial capitalism relating to those other two buckets, mm. uh, particularly to anti-Blackness, uh, I mean, that is to say, uh, to anti-Blackness and to uh, Black feminism. Uh, are, yeah. Is racial capitalism a distinct uh, set of theories from these other two, or did the three all mix together in some way? Or you know, how should those in the religious study theology space uh, think about um, relating to these, these three different uh, buckets of theory? Yeah, that is that is the yeah that is such a good question. Um, I, I think the conversation, uh, you know, I I think the conversation is is 
pushing more towards taking on more explicit intersections with discourses of um, sex uh, and, and gender. Um, you know, I think one of the key criticisms marshaled toward contemporary scholarship of race and capitalism um, or racial capitalism is its, you know, non-attention or sparse, sparse, atten sparse attention to uh, gender and uh, patriarchal analysis. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in the annotated bibliography of my essay, I mentioned work of Stephanie, historian Stephanie E. Jones Rogers. Um, probably the best book that I read in, in, in 2021 um, was her, her book, They Were Her Property. Um, and there, you know, Jones Rogers challenges the notion that it's possible to discuss race uh, and, and capitalism without attention to its, its gender dynamics. So, and so her work focuses on the antebellum uh, South slave economy. And, uh, you know, she wants to, she's examining uh, white women's uh, economic investments in slavery. Um, and uh, and she's, she makes it explicit, you know, that she's, she's doing so to uncover hidden relationships between gender, slavery, and, and capitalism. Um, and so she does this by uh, examining how, you know, white women commodified enslaved uh, women's reproductive capacities and created a demand for, for example, like black wet nurses to provide like, you know, the nutritive elements of milk to, to nurture white children. And so breastfeeding became a kind of new form of flavor that was valued, you know, and along um, different, different qualities, right? Like whether it was uh, enslaved women had good health, upstanding character, um, you know, plentiful milk, or and, you know whether or not the milk was considered fresh, um, and so she really challenges a sort of non-gendered analysis of blackness, um, you know, and, and is thinking about forms of labor that we wouldn't have considered labor. Right? We, I think, I think it's, I think that's one of those really important ways that I think black feminists are pushing against sort of traditional ideas, Marxist ideas of kind of being in the factory and maybe working a machine uh, and is really, really pushing against um, uh, our, our conceptions of labor, right? And, and so thinking about um, the way that, that wet nurses uh, were, were seen as a form of, of uh, um, skilled labor uh, and how breast milk was seen as a commodity, uh, you know, and, and, and suckling as a form of, of skilled labor. Um, and how they were valued differently according to, to, to the market. And so, so I, I think Jones, Jones Rogers' book, They Were Her Property, is one of those really, really um, uh, penetrating, I think, uh, um, uh, um, historical analyses that, that really takes on this, this question of, of race, capitalism, and, and, uh, and gender, and, and, and also uh, re reproductive uh, uh, capacities of, of women um, in in that particular uh, uh, era, and uh, in terms of just you know just discourses around anti anti blackness, just generally, yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure that that question is resolved, right? I think there's still an ongoing debate about um, you know the whether or not um, black life could be on economic terms. Um, there's an essay in the same series uh, 
in uh, another essay in the, in the Critical Theory for Political Theology series written by Biko Mandel Gray, a philosopher at Syracuse University, who I only know him through Twitter and he's just like amazing. Like just like, they're just like one of the most kind people on Twitter, just period. <laughs> um, and so, and uh, so, we, and, and you know, we're constantly like, uh, I, I think that that essay specifically is just, is really one of the, the most provocative ones that I, that I, that I read in, in the series. Um, and so Gray really wants to challenge as well. I think the kind of law-like nature or uses the term ruliness of, of blackness, right? So he writes that it's unstable, that it bends and breaks rules and that it's completely irrational, um, right? And so, you know, blackness is so other that it, it might even, like one might even say that it can't necessarily be subsumed under some umbrella term like racial in the first place. Um, and I think this is a kind of argument and critique that scholars like Michael Dawson are responding to, right? That like one doesn't, you know, like think of race or anti-blackness or whatever as a kind of separate thing that reinforces and works hand in hand with capitalist production, right? But it's, but it's, that, but it's not necessarily connected to it, right? That it can work um, with uh, alongside of, of, of capitalism, but it, it, it doesn't necessarily um, necessarily have to. So, um, and maybe the last thing I'll say too about like, in terms of direction, you know, I, at least as it relates to, um, to kind of, um, to black studies. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it there as, as it relates to black studies. I have, I have some other thoughts as it relates to maybe religion or theology generally. Sure, thanks. And yeah, recommendations for uh, uh, happy, healthy uh, corners of Twitter are always, always welcome as well. Yeah. Uh, um, thinking about uh, this uh, Black Studies space that we were just talking about, it seems like a, another unique feature of it, uh, in addition to uh, this shift toward uh, export of theory, uh, is its uh, deep engagement with uh, activism uh, and racial justice organizing, that uh, the, the boundary between the academic world and the organizing world are uh, blurred in this yeah. uh, emerging black studies space, or at least as it's emerged in the last uh, decade or so. So I, I guess I'm curious um, in, uh, with, with that as a, as a framing, how you see uh, this racial uh, capitalism discourse uh, animating or orienting or um, uh, you know, challenging uh, uh, the more activist uh, uh, elements of the of or the activist side of of that uh, conversation, um, mm. whether secular or religious. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I I I wrote. Um, I think I think the the conversation about racial the the scholarship on racial capitalism is directly connected to the work of of, of organizers and scholars and and and. Uh, as 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 a way to kind of make make sense of um, 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 the world that we live in and and how to make it how to make it better, um, you know, I wrote I wrote my essay um, as something that um, maybe maybe academics and organizers uh, felt uh, they might appreciate, um, you know, um, as someone who tries to do some kind of tries to have one foot in organizing and, 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 and another foot in, in the academy. Um, 
you know, I, I try to keep my ear to the ground and pay close attention to what what folks are saying and and, and the work that they're doing. Um, you know, so there's uh, I don't know if you know um, the Chicago hip hop artist uh, activist um, No Name. Uh, she, you know, she started the uh, the book club and then it, and then she I think she ended up getting a um, purchasing like a creating like a a, um, a library or a, yeah book yeah, out in California. Well, I was um she 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 was on a the late night TV show uh, Showtime TV personalities Jesus and Mero. And she was invoking the terms racial capitalism and black radical tradition. I was like, oh, this is like awesome. Like you see like right here, like an organizer who is like, you know, who, who's, who's, who's clearly, you know, doing the work and also like really engaging in academic work. Um, and, uh, and so you, you really get a sense that, that, this, is, that this language really is, and this, this work really is um, reaching uh, activists uh, and organizing spaces, you know. And today, you know, there are books invoking um, the racial capitalism um, a lot. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times, like people who are entering work of organizing can be intimidated by academic lingo. Um, and so, at least in the essay that I wrote, I, I don't know, I don't know if it was successful, but I, I think I tried to provide some kind of conceptual clarity for some of the terms. Um, for this term specifically, uh, in term and, and things I try to do is you know try to uh, make 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 sense of terms that um, organizers on the left uh, and specifically the black left uh, use. Um, and so, you know, when you're writing an introductory essay dealing with um, uh, you know something as dynamic as uh, as racial capitalism, you, know, you have to put in the extra work of making it understandable. So. You know, I got three, there's three traditions. There are way more traditions than just three. Um, but, you know, uh, there are some traditions that say like, you can have a kind of good capitalism that doesn't have to be racialized. Kind of more political, economic, liberal, um, you know, you know, so, you know, so it's, it's something that people can read, you know, um, and that's not dumbed down, which is not to say organizers need anything dumbed down. You know, there's, a, there's still a level, deep level of technicality to the essay. Um, but but people can understand it, I think, and understand what's going on. That's been the 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 grace, the, the gracious feedback that that, that I receive. Um, but um, and you know, you make decisions about how to construct it, and then you got to have amazing, amazing editors like the ones that are at the Political Theology Network that make it fantastic. Because like sometimes your brain is not working as as good. But but the, I think this is this is the kind of uh, but but I think. The work that that I think a lot of folks in this um, uh, scholars who are theorizing things like racial capitalism are, are are as far as I know most of them are also just people who are just really compassionate organizing you know, organizing in their day to day whether at school or at work or and so uh, yeah I, I don't know that this work would even I don't know why anyone would want to invest in this kind of like stuff if, if there wasn't, if they didn't imagine some kind of material um, blessing that, that could come through. I don't know if, if that was going in the direction of kind of what you were you were getting at or. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, it gives us a lot to think about. And I mean, just one thing that I, that I hadn't thought about is the role of, uh, of technical 
language in uh, both uh, the, the technical language as having an alienating, but also um, a sort of magnetic effect in, in um, activist spaces, right? That there's something that seems intimidating, but then once you get it, or once you hear the technical language and you feel like you have a mastery of it, you feel connected to the, uh, the space. So it's not just a tool, but also has a sort of affective um, dimension uh, to the kind of technical language. Um, mm -hmm. uh, thinking now uh, about the direction that conversations are going, uh, I know you've uh, thought a lot about the, the past of racial capitalism and the different streams that are feeding into the, the current discourse. Uh, can, can you uh, give us some, uh, can you look into your crystal ball and, and give us some uh, thoughts on the, the future in 10 years? How will we be talking about racial capitalism? Oh, well, I'll say I, 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 uh... I am really excited as as, as someone do, uh, doing a, a PhD in theology to see uh, racial capitalism sort of uh, taking on the life uh, in the field of religion and theology. Um, you know, you have Jonathan Tran's book, Asian Americans and the Spirit of Racial Capitalism, uh, gesturing, you know, that, that religion and theology can move in this direction, right, where you can sort of explicitly uh, talk about racial capitalism. Um, I mentioned Willie Jennings' book, um, the, the, the Christian Imagination, which I do see as as a kind of like you know uh, like a great instantiation of the kind of like race class theology nexus. Um, um, you know, I, I uh, you know I, I'm I, I'm still very eager to read Jonathan Tran's book because which I have not read, but to my knowledge, yeah, like he is one of the first self-identifying theologians who deploys the term racial capitalism and uses it in the theological work. And I've heard the book is theologically uh, uh, stimulating, theoretically rich, intellectually provocative, and I'm reading it this summer. Uh, you know, I've already purchased my copy. Um, and so I see, I see uh, theories of, of racial capitalism going in the direction, um, ho hopefully, uh, in the directions that, that I mentioned earlier. Thinking about the, the intersections of race, capitalism, and and sex and gender, and also race, capitalism, and religion. At least that's my hope that that that, that theologians really take uh, take take uh, this more serious for all the for all the reasons you know that, that I've already that I've talked about um, already. And um, you know, I uh, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of my hope. That uh, racial capitalism moves, moves in the uh, as the spirit as the spirit needs it. So great, yeah. And I, I see our, our time is winding down here, but I, I do. Uh, I, I am curious about your own uh, your own intellectual trajectory here. You told us a bit about uh, the concerns, uh, intellectual and spiritual and personal, that were motivating you to to come to this. Uh, study of racial capitalism. Uh, can you uh, offer some predictions about your your own intellectual trajectory <laughs> moving moving forward? What yeah. are some other topics oh. you're you're interested in uh, delving into, or how, how do you see this work deepening in, in years to come? Yeah, I'm um, I'm currently in the dissertation proposal phase, um, and you know, I I'm definitely interested in uh, unearthing uh, Christian sources and traditions. Uh, to help us think about about racial capitalism. So some of the things I talked about already about, you know, the the grammar that we have, the language concepts, assumptions that, that we have to think about to think about uh, racial capitalism is, is already there. Um, um, 
you know, I, I think, um, so I think, yeah, like for me, that's, that's kind of, you know, thesis, dissertation forthcoming, dissertation proposal forthcoming, you know, this is the kind of, uh, this is the kind of thing that I'm, that I'm, um, I'm, I'm really animated by, you know, as a, as, um, as someone who I would call myself a, a theologian, I don't know if I can call myself that, or a budding theologian, um, um, you know, who's, who has been deeply influenced by uh, the, specifically the prophetic traditions and liberation theology, um, uh, you know, all forms of liberation, uh, all forms of prophetic theology, uh, not just Christian uh, tradition. Um, you know, I, I, I really take seriously um, the, the traditions and language that I've been given. So this is kind of going to be the work that I'm going to invest in, in my own, in my own, uh, in the books that I write and the essays that I write. I really want to set uh, believing people on fire, uh, confessional people on fire, people with a different uh, way of seeing the world um, on fire. So that's not giving you too many specifics about what's in the dissertation proposal, but just, just know that there is a, um, I'm thinking, I, I'm definitely thinking about, um, I'm definitely thinking about very specific sources. Uh, I'll just say I have, uh, you mentioned him in a, in a but you, yeah, you definitely uh, engage uh, David Walker in, um, in a, uh, uh, Break Every Yoke, you and, uh, you and uh, Josh, uh, Josh Dubler. Um, and I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about uh, David Walker as well, right? He uses, the, you know, the language of avaricious whites. And so he's thinking about greed and he's thinking about race, right? And he's thinking about greed, 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 greed. And this is like part of our language, right? Like a critique of that kind of dimension of what we're really getting at, I think, when we're doing critiques of wealth distribution, I think we're getting at this kind of impulse towards hoarding and greed. And, and I think that like, it's okay for us to lean into our and to find language that suits us. And so this is the kind of, I think this is the kind of thing that, um, in the future for my own research, I'll probably be just leaning into more. It's like, what resources do we have to be thinking about uh, creating more just equitable futures for, um, for our children and our children's children? Well, that sounds really exciting. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's uh, eagerly waiting to uh, read uh, <laughs> the products of your, your research. Uh, and uh, but thank you so much for taking time out of oh, what I'm sure is a, a busy, a busy moment uh, for you uh, and a chaotic one uh, in the world uh, to join us. It's been great talking to Matt about racial capitalism. And thanks again for joining the HTI Open Plaza podcast. Thank you, Fred. This has been an HTI production. For more information, visit us at htiopenplaza.org. The Hispanic Theological Initiative provides Open Plaza as a public service. The views expressed by the guests are their own. Their appearance on this program or any reference to a specific product or entity they represent does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by HTI.